Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. And backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Ed Mamet and Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cop Talk. My name is Kevin Schroeder, retired NYPD detective. I'm here with my co host, retired Captain Ed Mamet from NYPD. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Ed Mamet with Kevin. So, today we're going to be speaking about 9 11. Never forget. Unfortunately, too many people have forgot what happened that day, September 11th of 2001. And I'd like to ask you, Captain, do you remember that day? What, what were you doing on that day? Were you working that day? Were you off duty? Were you retired? What were you doing? I remember it very well. I was retired about a year and a half, and it was primary day, and I was at my primary day location, and I remember that I had a problem with the ballot, and they had given me a special ballot, an affidavit, so I could do over whatever was going on. And then I heard the police radio some frantic messages coming over the radio that was carried by the police officer assigned to the poll. And it sounded to me like a typical, you know, like a cop in trouble or a shooting. So I said, oh, it was one of these incidents, maybe like a 1013, a CIS patrolman. But when I walked out of the polling place, I heard people talking about the plane hitting a building, and I had no idea what they were talking about. So I turned around. I was about a mile from the scene, and I see the smoke from the collision. So I go up to my apartment, I turn on the TV, and then I saw what was going on. Next day, I volunteered, and I spent three weeks down there as a volunteer working with the Tribeca Grill. The owner of the Tribeca Grill is a good friend of mine, and we got involved in feeding the people down at the pile who were eating ham sandwiches. We got them quality food, so I became a restaurateur for three weeks. My day was similar but different in many ways. I was actually still active. I was in, assigned to the Midtown North Detective Squad, and I was actually RDO, which means regular day off. And that day was primary day. And I was actually working on one of the campaigns, volunteering, of course. And then, of course, as I was on my way home at around 8.30 in the morning, and then that's when we heard the news. I got a phone call, actually, from my mother telling me that a plane hit the World Trade Center. And not that I'm any expert by no means, but I personally just had this weird feeling that it really wasn't just an accident, you know. So anyway, I got home and, of course, obviously everyone was getting called into work. You know, law enforcement personnel, first responders, we don't have to be told to come back into work. We're coming back. No matter whether you want us or not, we're coming in. But as I'm on my way home, upstate, I got home. My wife's also a first responder. She's a nurse. And I want to make sure we just had a newborn. I want to make sure she was okay with the family. And then I went right back in about an hour and a half later and got to the precinct. And they told us, to, again, no one really knew what was going on at the time. And they told us to put on a uniform and they signed all detectives to all the hospitals just in case anyone was coming in, make sure they're not you know, registered as a missing person. We could identify everyone coming in. And they had us doing 12-hour tours. And when our tour would finish, we'd actually on our own time go down to the pile to see what's going on and help out as any way, anyhow we can. And then, of course, months later, when they brought everything out to Fresh Kill out in Staten Island, they had all the detectives. They made a crime scene. So they had only detectives assigned out there. And of course, sergeants and lieutenants and captains as well. And I spent at least two days a week out there, 12 hours a day, you know, going right all through, you know, sifting all through the rubble and just trying to find any type of anything to give closure to a family, whether it was a, you know, a hairbrush with 
uh, hair fabrics or whatever it may have been. And that's what we were doing out there for months and months after 9-11. And in between there, I won't go into it now, but I also caught a homicide. So as we were working, Midtown Squad was working a homicide as well as going out to Fresh Kill. It was just craziness, but that's what we do. It's what we do best. That's our job. And you don't think about anything at all, you know, at that time. But now, unfortunately, besides the fact of over 3,000 people dying that day, there's been double, triple, maybe quadruple amount of people who've died since that day and still dying. And no one is really aware of it. And, you know, unfortunately, they need to be aware of it. So today, our guest is a retired police officer, Jeannie Kelly, who I was fortunate enough to work with back in the day in Midtown Precinct back in the 80s. And right now, and when she retired, she's a director of uh, outreach and education for 9-11. And I'm going to bring her on now to speak. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Captain. Good to see you again. Yeah, so I retired in 2005 out of the County Terrorism Division in Brooklyn. And then because of the work I was doing with the department, I actually signed on with Homeland Security down for the Center for Domestic Preparedness, which was a consortium on the Homeland Security, and was asked to join a mobile training team to deliver training to all the police and fire in the central and eastern region of the United States based on lessons learned from 9-11. There was a retired lieutenant in one of my classes in 2010 who asked me to join him at Mount Sinai when the James Adroga Health and Compensation Act was signed by President Obama in 2010 that opened the door for several types of registrations, too specific to being federal, to do outreach and go out to the commands and also the specialized units to conduct presentations and register members of the department that were still working officially to get them registered in these programs. So I did sign on with the retired lieutenant at Mount Sinai and was their outreach coordinator up until 2018. And in 2018, the federal government told Mount Sinai that I could no longer help responders outside the five boroughs, even though the mission was to help anyone wherever they were. And Matt McCauley, who's also a retired police officer that became an attorney in our job at Illegal and also lobbied and walked the halls of Congress to get these registrations signed by our elected officials, had heard that I was resigning, and he always would follow me doing the victim's compensation registration presentation and asked me to come work with him. So I work with Matt McCauley, who is the big Irish guy that sat behind John Stewart after Detective Lou Alvarez testified in D.C. back in 2019, two weeks before he passed away of a 9-11-related cancer. Both Matt and I were very instrumental in assisting Lou and his family with the registrations and the benefits, and then working alongside the NYPD for the line of duty death benefits as well. On September 11th, I was assigned to the police academy. My caliber said police academy. I did not work in the building. I worked in the satellite of uh, tactics training that was stood up after Kevin Gillespie was killed back in the 90s from street crime. It was a top cops training that was started first for plain clothes, and that was so well received that actually blossomed into what was tactics in-service training, which was mandatory with nine boroughs with nine satellites. So on that day being primary day, as you remember, Captain, what they did was they would shut training down and use the instructors to deploy to polling locations. And my polling location was in the confines of the 13th precinct on the evening tour. So I had just dropped my kids off from school. I was a single mom. I have three kids. And I sat down to have my cup of coffee, was watching the news when I saw the first plane hit. Knew right away that, and even though I... I realized that was going to be a disaster in itself and that because I worked in the confines of patrol bar Manhattan South, we were probably going to get called in when the second plane hit. Then I knew I needed to get in even sooner. I made my way down into the city after the second tower fell. 
my brother, who was also a police officer, we graduated at the same class, uh, was working in Manhattan traffic. We were all pretty close in our 20th year. We came on in 82. So I knew he was working a day tour that day. And when I caught up from to some guys with all that chaos and confusion, the guys from Manhattan traffic told me he was missing, that he made a right where the rest of the guys made a left. So for 14 hours... Under that stress, chaos, and confusion, all I kept thinking to myself was, will I ever find him on what I do? What's he going to look like? And what am I going to tell his wife? But the guys on the team found him at the East River Drive in the Pathmark Shopping Center, setting up a triage. Then I continued to work every day, working 15-hour days with no days off. As you remember, Kev, we had face-to-face relief. And I continued to work down at the site itself until March of 2002. From anything from the pile to site security to escorts of family members of victims that were killed that day to the bereavement center to transporting equipment and supplies and distributing that. So there were many facets to many of us from the NYPD that worked to support the rescue recovery operations. Subsequent to that now with what I do now is the work that I do with Matt is I still conduct presentations based on the registrations. And there's a lot of folks out there that don't know any about these registrations that were stood up that are fully funded and are now been have now been reauthorized to the year 2090. And that's 67 more years. So these registrations and the benefits they provide to us and our families is what protects us for both medical and also compensation financially. One is the World Trade Center Health Program. And the World Trade Center Health Program is overseen by a federal agency called NIOSH, which is the National Institute of Occupation, Safety, and Health. They have set forth the criteria for responders, whether they were there officially or volunteered, to be registered in the World Trade Center Health Program. And the criteria for NYPD, the Port Authority, and FDNY, based on a timeline, is different than everyone else. But the official disaster site starts based on the federal guidelines at Canal Street, south to the tip of Manhattan, river to river, which also includes Ground Zero, includes the temporary morgue where human remains that were recovered at the site were secured, the barge loading pier at the North Cove Marina where the beams and debris were loaded up onto, sailed over to a receiving pier in Staten Island, and then the landfill, as you stated, where members of our department and also from federal agencies like the FBI, because it was a crime scene, that were sifting and raking looking for human remains and evidence. It also includes the morgue, which is located north of Canal at 30th and 1st. So the human remains that were secured at the temporary morgue were escorted officially by state police and our highway unit to the morgue so they can be identified by members of our department again and members of the morgue and physicians to identify the human remains. Now, the timeline is a minimum of four hours between 9-11 and July 3102. And that's the timeline specific for the World Trade Center Health Program for anyone from FDNY, NYPD, and the Port Authority. And Captain, the fact that you were retired before 9-11, there are hundreds of retired members of our department that answered the call to come in on the recall, specifically even more so from the emergency service unit. Because as you remember, ESU lost 14 members of our department that day. So a lot of guys from ESU came back to help not just work on the pile, but to restore the equipment so that they can continue working on the pile, working seven days a week, 12, 15, 16 hours a day. So with that in mind, under that criteria, under the federal legislation, there are members of our department that are retired that don't know any of this information. There are people who drove from all across the country and just felt compelled after they watched it on TV to respond to help out. 
But the definition of a responder based on the federal criteria is not just police and fire and EMS. They're the construction workers from all the locals are considered responders. The traffic safety folks in our department, there's people who volunteer to hand out food, water, like you did, sir, and boots and gloves and personal protective equipment. The veterinarians that came in to volunteer to take care of the dogs that were getting hurt on the pile because of all the trip hazards and the debris and glass are considered responders. There are task force teams from every state in the 50 states of the union that deployed to New York officially from fire departments and from police departments that came into New York. So there's an estimated over 500,000 people that were exposed to the toxins from that day and the many days after. Now, working on the pile, and just to give you an example, we did not recover 600,000 square feet of glass. When you worked on the pile, you didn't find one desk, one chair, one file cabinet, one computer, one sink or toilet from the Trade Center. Everything was pulverized. We do know that there was asbestos in the Trade Center in the first 44 floors. And if you know anything about asbestos in the lungs, which FDNY is hugely concerned about right now, is the lung cancer, that latency period for lung cancer is 15 to 20 years. The World Trade Center Health Program, based on the language that's used on the medical side, is the presumption that any one of us that work down there will get sick. And sadly, most of my work right now is with responders and also the survivor population, which are all the folks that lived down there, worked in the area, and the kids that were in school that day and then also returned to work that Monday after when Wall Street reopened on the 17th of September. So the toxins and the debris and the ash was, we do know that there were toxins that we not only breathed in, but Captain, the food that we ate down there was also contaminated. And then the vehicles are secondary exposure. So there are, the federal government also recognizes the mechanics that were cleaning or maintaining or retrieving vehicles that went down to the disaster site as a secondary exposure. What does that mean? That means that I have two mechanics from up in Albany with the state police that were just maintaining state police vehicles that were doing the traffic post in the disaster site and never stepped foot in Manhattan that died of cancer that were eligible for these registrations. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Interesting point. I didn't realize that there are people all over the country that were exposed. I remember when I was down there, there were police officers coming in from all over the country. I remember one group, they just jumped in a car. They were maybe a thousand miles away. They jumped in a police car, about six of them, without telling the chief, and they just drove continuously. And when they got there, we didn't know what to do with them. They first went, I think, to the Javits Center, and then we were putting, not we, and they were being placed on traffic posts and the like. How do you reach out to these people that you said before were exposed? Do they know about this? To answer your question, the way we get the word out is we actually have a website called 911outreach.com. And then through the inline organizations like Kevin's organization with the Retired Detectives Association, the Emerald Society, I have been warmly embraced by other agencies from the state police in New York to the FBI and in regards to assisting them because 26 Federal Plaza, as you know, is south of Canal Street. So there are several members from our department that work in JTTF that have 
have family members or support staff that work in the building. So it's basically by word of mouth and platforms like this invite from Kevin and from you to allow me to have the opportunity to get the word out. Texas Task Force One had 74 firefighters, four of which have died most recently two weeks ago. They were the youngest member of their team died of stage four stomach cancer. And in addition to that, state police statewide. So when I say outreach, outreach means you got to be out. So every day I'm in a different place. Either I'm local here in, in the city or I'm upstate or yesterday I was up in Putnam County with two members of our department that are have very acute cancers. One is actually an end of life. And because of organizations for the retirees, which is the larger population right now, that's the only way I'm able to get the word out. Well, hopefully this program and this interview of you will be heard worldwide, nationwide, and people that responded will know about the program who don't know about it. How much time do they have to apply? Those people, let's say someone out in California who responded and doesn't know about it, how much time do they have to apply for the benefits? So currently there is no deadline to register. But I encourage everyone to register in these registrations, and I can assist them with that, with the navigating of the paperwork. There are registrations. So, for instance, the responder side of the World Trade Center Health Program has one application. The survivors has a different application, and there's criteria affiliated to that, meaning they have to have some sort of supporting documentation from their agency or jurisdiction, or they can have a third-party letter, someone that knows they were there. This is not an adversarial process. They're not looking for a loophole to get people enrolled in the program. The outreach is that they want folks to be into the World Trade Center Health Program from the responder side. You don't even have to have illnesses. So when I first started doing the outreach to guys on the job, there's this philosophical sense that they feel like they're taking away from other guys that are sick or they have their own medical insurance or they run five miles a day and they feel fine and they don't understand that the registrations protect them and their families in addition to illnesses that we're seeing, and a lot of folks don't understand the language is the presumption that any one of us that were there will have illnesses that are caused by or exacerbated by that exposure. So I'm talking anything from the runny nose, the stuffy nose, sinus infections, sinus headaches, chronic laryngitis, that's all upper respiratory. Then they go into the lungs, which is anything on the lower respiratory, asthma, reactive airway disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, sarcoidosis, which is a unique illness of the lungs, is also a covered, what they say, a covered condition. And then going into the cancers. Right now, the number one cancer in the 9-11 population is skin cancer, the most exposed. So when we all went home that day, nobody told us, take a cold shower, because that would be what we call technical decon, so you close the pores so you don't absorb any of that bad stuff. But skin cancer right now is the number one cancer in the 9-11 population, followed by the number two, which is prostate cancer. So I have members of the department from the 9-11 recruit class that got signed on in July of 01 that when Chief Delatory of the Academy shut training down, they were deployed down to the site up until October 6th when they went back into the recruit school, and I have several of them with stage 3 prostate cancer at the age of 42, 43, 44 years old. That's medically and scientifically unheard of. So every cancer that you can imagine based on that is diagnosed or if you know anyone that died of cancer and they were there, we need to contact the families or the families need to contact me and or Matt, and together we can connect the dots to make sure that the benefits are in place. 
So, and when I say that these are medical conditions caused by, the number two medical condition is heartburn, acid reflux, GERD. So a lot of guys in our job are popping tums like candy, not knowing that these are conditions that manifest and get worse over time. Jeannie, how many people have registered? So right now with the World Trade Center Health Program, now this is combined. It's not separated between survivor and responder. We're over 125,000 people in the World Trade Center Health Program. So I have about 400,000 more people to find, estimated, nationwide, to get them registered in the World Trade Center Health Program. Jeannie, I know we had you as a guest speaker at the Retired Detectives of New York. One of our dinners, you came, you were a guest speaker, and you did a great job. I mean, I think probably from that night, many other folks have signed up, you know, mm-hmm. especially a lot of guys who retired. They, they're like, they blow everything off. But at the end of the day, like you said, skin cancer now is not one of the number one cancers from 9-11, and you made everyone very aware of that that night. For our listeners out there, especially our first responders or anyone who, like you said, from throughout the country who volunteered to come and help in 9-11, what advice do you have for them to, how could they reach you? What advice do you have for them in regards to uh, registering something maybe they knew nothing about until maybe they heard you today on our So if you go to our website, 911outreach.com, my contact information is there as well as Matt's. If you contact us, we will assist you with providing the registration information, and I'll actually walk you through it. I do home visits for guys that are sick. I don't just go out and do conduct presentations. If I do conduct a presentation, I'm invited in, either in a large venue with an organization or a task force, if you will. I will conduct a presentation, bring the paperwork, and actually sit down and do the applications, help them assist with the language required for their registration for the supporting documentation, fax it to the federal government, follow up with them to make sure it's been received, make sure, follow them along the way that they're registered, and actually assist with their registration for their monitoring appointment. I'm going to ask you an interesting question. Yes. Since you were there, are you in the program yourself? I've been in the program since 2011, when it first started, Captain. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah, and I, I go every year for my annual screening. And you, uh, here's, and let's talk about that. So being that you don't have to have illnesses to be in the program, it's a monitoring program. So they provide free monitoring of a blood draw, a urine analysis, a chest x-ray, and a pulmonary function breathing test. And the physicians in the New York metro area, which is where we live, which is one their providers called Clinical Care Centers of Excellence, or NYU in Manhattan, Mount Sinai, Queens is Northwell Health. I'm in the program in Long Island, which has a facility in Mineola with Winthrop University. Suffolk is in Comac. It's their satellite, which is affiliated with Stony Brook. And on the other side of the river, for our counterparts on the Jersey side, there's Rutgers University. And then NIOSH has set up a national provider network. So depending on where everyone lives in the 50 states of the union, once they're registered in the program, there's the national provider network where they identify providers or physicians based on the zip code where they live. And they also can continue going for the monitoring, get certified for those conditions. And the beauty of the World Trade Center Health Program is when they're certified on the responder side, as long as the providers for the physicians or for those illnesses that are certified, all of their care and treatment is paid for for the rest of their life by the World Trade Center Health Program. Yeah, I am in the program also. It took me quite a while to get involved. I had to have my arm twisted. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that I do have sinusitis from it and GERD. The program gave me a CPAP machine, which costs several hundred bucks. So uh, I know the value of the program. I believe Kevin's involved also. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And thanks to Jeannie Kelly, I am. <laughs> One of those first responders who waited to the last minute, but thank God everything's good right now. Jeannie, thank you so much for being on our show. You do God's work. God bless you. And we look forward to hearing from you again. We'd love to have you on the show again. 
And thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless. Thank you. Jeannie Kelly, everyone. Thank you. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all-natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.